Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. If you know me, you know that I love music and songs like the one right there. I mean, come on, that voice, those lyrics. I wish you could see me rocking out right now. But can you feel it? Melissa Etheridge is one of rock music's great female icons. She burst onto the American rock scene as a singer-songwriter back in 1988 with her self-titled debut album and has not left since. Melissa found her love for music early on, picking up a guitar at age eight, strumming until her fingers bled. Melissa was writing songs by age 11 when she found her voice. Known for her raspy vocals and confessional lyrics, Melissa has remained one of America's favorite female singer-songwriters for more than three decades. With two Grammys and 15 nominations, an Academy Award, five platinum albums, and much more over the course of her prolific career. She is a rock star, a mother, an activist, and a trailblazer, and she never shies away from speaking her mind. She mirrors the same raw honesty you hear in her music in her life, using her songs to share her message. Early in her recording career, while performing at a celebration of the inauguration of President Bill Clinton, Melissa came out to the crowd announcing that she was gay. Her album, Yes, I Am, followed later that year, featuring hits like I'm the Only One and Come to My Window, that powerful song that we can't help but rock out to, which won her a Grammy for Best Female Rock Vocal Performance. But with the highs came the lows. She endured a difficult childhood, a public battle with breast cancer in 2004, and the heartbreaking loss of her son Beckett in 2020. Through it all, music has been her constant, helping her find strength to carry on. And Melissa is opening up about all of it in her latest memoir, Talking to My Angels. As a longtime fan of her music, I wanted to meet this Melissa Etheridge, the survivor, the one behind the lyrics, offstage and out of the spotlight. She's endured the unimaginable throughout her life, yet she chooses joy every day. And even after all this time, she is still evolving on stage and in life. Now, this is someone I want to learn from. I sat down with Melissa to talk about the lessons she's learned, the wisdom she has to share. And at the heart of it all, she says, everything is love. I'm Hoda Kotby. Welcome to my podcast, Making Space. First of all, I I love sitting with you. Melissa, I have to tell you something. This book, Talking to My Angels, which I'm holding in my hand, is so surprising in so many ways to me. It's a beautiful book. It's a book that I couldn't put down. And it's full of epiphanies. 
everyone finds their light through something. Sometimes they have a near-death experience. Sometimes, I don't know, all kinds of things happen. But for you, what was the thing that happened that turned the lights on inside your house? How you begin the book? Oh, well, actually, really, the first thing that happened was I had an accidental overdose of cannabis. I ate an edible and it was too much, which is a common thing, unfortunately. I had kind of that epiphany thing that, that one has about life. And shortly thereafter, I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2004. So those two things together completely changed my life uh, outlook, my whole what I thought life was. It's interesting because I feel like there are people who seek things. They seek answers. They seek enlightenment. There are people who find those things. And then there are people who go one step further and apply them. It becomes part of their life. Uh The seeking part for you was something I feel like you've been after your whole life. Tell me about that pursuit. I feel like you've been looking. Like, show me, tell me, somebody. Someone used to say I wrote a lot of songs about somebody. Somebody bring me some water. Somebody do this. And yeah, I think uh, choosing the path of the artist, of the musician, of the rock star, was one of really searching for mass acceptance, you know, whether it was I didn't get enough from my mom or any of those excuses in the, you know, in the past we can have. This was a a good 30, 40 years of kind of searching for myself through my art, through what I enjoy, and then, you know, looking for meaning. Sometimes you don't know you're lost until you actually look and see that you're on a path, you know, and then you're like, oh, well, there's the path. Well, I feel like you were seeking love a lot. You wanted love. Mm. You wanted someone to love you. You wanted someone to tell you you were okay. And you were the kind of person who just stayed in relationships, good or bad. It didn't matter. But you wanted them. You wanted them to love you. Yeah. Growing up with kind of a distant mother, I think that had a, a real influence on it. And my older sister was unkind. She had her own issues. You know, because she also had a distant mother, she just, you know, dealt with it differently. I had that longing to have sort of a a nurturing, a kind a kind of nurturing. Mm-hmm. And I would find this emotional response when I would sing. I would get mm-hmm. I would play these really sad songs and and I would feel this all oh, this all oh, kind of a hug. Mm-hmm. And so I kept searching for that. When your initial relationships aren't so good, then, the ones that come after, you're still looking to fix those. So you, it's kind of a, a rough road sometimes. A lot of people march all the way through life and go straight to their grave just carrying it. You know, wow. that's what we carry. But you didn't do that. You decided that was not for you. But recognizing that you were in a relationship where your mom, you know, was distant and cold doesn't resolve it. It just makes you recognize it. So (laughs) you must have done something. Did you do something to put down that baggage? Yeah, it's a practice. I call it a practice. It's not not like one day I went, this is it, and I changed. It's a, wait a minute, this isn't working for me anymore. This is harmful to me. Uh, This is making me unhappy. And when I had my breast cancer diagnosis— 
uh, 19 years ago. I'm 19 years cancer-free now. Mm. And so when I had that diagnosis, I was like, wait a minute. Mm. I think these bad feelings, this emptiness, this ache I have inside actually becomes illness. Mm -hmm. it, be it becomes dis-ease. And mm -hmm. that is where my cancer came from. To me, this was my journey. So to me, being happy is the difference between life and death. And so really, really starting a path where my main concern was finding my joy. And that's a practice every day. You just do it. It's not like a, a graduation diploma you get or something and then everything's fine. You just practice it every day and it gets easier. I want to talk about um, just how it started because to get where you are, it, you had to go through it. And you describe in your book what it was like to grow up with a mother who hardly looked your way. You were practically tap dancing and spinning plates like, mom, <laughs> over here, I'm over here. But she wasn't having it and she wasn't interested. And your sister was, you described her as unkind. And that's a real, that's a lot for a little kid to carry around. You know, children have all kinds of, you know, situations growing up and I'm sure there's some that were worse than mine. Mine was just my my mother was depressed. My mother mm. had a hard time. She was ended up really supporting the family. My father was a teacher and gosh, teachers just don't make enough money in this world. So she had a lot of uh issues herself and it it takes someone growing up and actually realizing that their parents were humans. Hmm. You not only forgive, but you let it go. You just, you know, there's there's no need to hold on to that stuff. Were you scared of carrying on patterns? Because a lot of stuff's so ingrained in us. We may try to do the exact opposite of our parents, but there are so many patterns that, you know, I mean, I look inside myself and when I see a part of me, I'm like, oh my God, that's my dad. Oh, that's my mom. Yeah. <laughs> but did you sort those out? Because you've got, you know, your children to make sure that that wasn't going to be part of the way you raised them. The good news is I had a really great father. My father was just a blast. He was, <laughs> he grew up it, like it, in the Dust Bowl. He grew up, you know, a migrant farmer. He grew up in poverty. So everything that he got, he was very grateful for. Someone mm -hmm. helped him get a scholarship to college, a sports scholarship. So he was able to get his life together and become a teacher. And so he had such gratitude about every little thing in life. <laughs> and gratitude is just great medicine. If you can just do appreciation every day, you will be better. You, you will find so much joy. So he really helped me do that. So I had that to kind of model after I said, I'm mm -hmm. just going to be like my dad, you know, and, <laughs> and that's how I parent. You know, some people think my kids don't have a dad, but my father parented me. So I think I parent like a father, you know, mm -hmm. and so it really worked out in my life, walking a path of how my father loved me and just love kids, just love them. You know what? I was asking a lady on our show. I said, well, "How would you, how did you parent your adult children? Because she had beautiful kids who were in the studio. They just happened to be on the plaza, and we brought them inside. And uh -huh. she goes, oh, it's easy. She said, it's four words. And I said, oh, what is it? And she said, listen and love, love, love. Yeah. She said, that's it. You have nothing else you have to do. And then no. get out of the way, basically. Yeah, some people think you have to show them right from wrong. Oh, no, no. They they come in, they know. Human beings, when they're born, they know so much. They they And they are 
they evidently already know, you know, iPhones and computers when they're born, <laughs> obviously. So, you know, they, they come in with this and, and just letting them be who they are, letting, letting them find their, their way. That's the, this is, this is a, a journey, a story and letting them build their own is, is, I think what, what you need to do. You talk about so many cool things. Like you say, sometimes it's easy to lose the parts of you in your life when you're a, um, a celebrity, basically, because, you know, you're just in this different world and it's hard to pinpoint. And I was thinking about how life is full of like exclamation points. You got the Grammy, you're getting married, it's mm-hmm. a boy, yay, yay. Mm-hmm. And then it also has the lows, getting divorced, a loss, et cetera. Most of the days of our lives are just Wednesdays. They're not those mm. days. They're regular mm-hmm. days. And I was just wondering, how are your Wednesdays? Ah, uh, my Wednesdays are fantastic. I have, I have been practicing finding my joy every day for 20 years now. And I've gotten pretty good at it. <laughs> and, um, and it's, uh, I'm, I, love my Wednesdays. I love, I love my everydays. And when my down days come, I I know, hey, it's not going to be like this forever. So, you know, let me, now I know what I want because I know what I don't want. And then when my crazy up days come, I'm like, yeah, this is great. I know it's not going to be like this forever, but you know, it's, it's, and you just ride this beautiful wave and, and it's, it's delicious. I love it. Coming up, Melissa opens up about the loss of her son, Beckett, and her journey to heal. Stay with us. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. I love how you say at the end of it all is love. At the end of the greatest despair is love. At the end of the mm-hmm. highest high is love. As the storm passes, that's it. It's just there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a beautiful sentiment. How did you come to, to that understanding, given the loss you've been through? Well, I have a deep belief that we're all here in this reality or life or whatever we want to call it to create and and i also believe that that it's it's one thing it's one it's like a yin and a yang and you've got the light and the dark and the positive and the negative and the good and the bad yet it's all one thing and that one thing is love and when you can look at the bad and say okay this is the contrast to the white i wouldn't know the uh, the, the you know the the I, I'm thinking of the white and the black and the yin and yang, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, the light and dark. If uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't know the light 
mm-hmm. if I didn't know the dark. And so, yes, this hurts today and it might hurt for a while, but this is what makes my life rich and and this is also love and this teaches mm. me teaches me how much when i lost my son i learned how much my capacity for love was you know that that it not only loving him and missing him and being okay but loving myself enough not to go into major depression and guilt and shame which so many families that that lose loved ones to opioid addiction just the shame is too big it's huge so you know so you you I had to I had to believe that there is a there's an over surrounding love to everything everything is love to come to that epiphany and as you said I mean you lost Beckett during the pandemic mm-hmm. So many people were going through loss and isolation, kind of, and there wasn't a community to help and to hug and to care for everybody who needed it, like you. But to come to that place of letting go of guilt and shame, how long did that take? What was it like in those initial days, and when did you get there? Well, again, it's a practice. There can be days where it, the shadow comes, comes on me, and I find myself thinking, oh, what if? What if I had done this? What if I had only done that? And that doesn't serve me, and it causes it causes me pain. So my practice is to go, no, nah, he is he has gone from this physical world, and he's in non-physical, and we only perceive four percent of the energy that actually is. Mm. So he is part of that larger non-physical space, and that space doesn't have the contrast doesn't have the resistance that we have here mm-hmm. that we are choosing that mm-hmm. causes growth we the non-physical is is the, you know is that heaven is that that i mm-hmm. that that joyous space mm-hmm. and for me to feel him there i need to to be in that joyous space so when i'm in a dark space i'm away from all of my loved ones so mm-hmm. i i it's my job to find my my space again of loving myself, going, no, 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 I did the best I could, and he made his choices, and there are some that check out. There are some that, mm-hmm. you know, leave earlier than others, and he, he could not handle his life at this time. Yeah. When do you feel him the most, Melissa? In the mornings. <laughs> you know, when you're first waking up, that's when, that's when... You know, the, the times I used to always text with him and talk with him. And and so it's it's like he's there. I'm like, okay, good morning. You know, uh, watch watch out for me all day or, you know, whatever. I'm, you know, him mm. and my father, too. I lost my father very – I lost my father when I was 30. Mm. So, you know, I, I'd already been kind of, you know, pulling on his energy and asking that. And so, you know, I really feel surrounded. That's why I call it Talking to My Angels. That's why the book is titled that because – that energy, those lives, those souls that I have known that have been a part of my heart are still supporting me. You talk about um, just how spiritual you are and you always have been. And you said 
church was part of your life when you were younger. (laughs) How does your spirituality, I mean, you've obviously grown through so much, but how has it changed or evolved um, over time? Where are you today, I guess? Yeah. No, I loved church when I was a kid. Uh, We went to the Methodist church, and I loved the music, and I loved the um, fellowship. I loved all the, the people. And then I had friends in school that started taking me to, like, church camps. And I played the guitar, so... You know, it's the seventies and I'm <laughs> I'm playing the guitar and singing Pass It On and you know, it's that that was the thing you did. And it was cool to be the the person who played guitar. And so I I, I really loved that. And I, I went to Baptist church camp and so I, and I enjoyed sort of the um I enjoyed the stories and I the the very center of all the religions, all our great uh religions of the world, the center is love one another. Mm-hmm. Like you would love yourself, so if it's that sort of if you you, you want to love someone like you love yourself, mm-hmm. so you got to love yourself, and if you want them to love you, you know, so it's it's a lot about you know giving yourself that love and and know that you know we're all one. It it mm-hmm. it's, you know that's in Christianity too. And I did a lot of um, work with a youth group in high school. We did Godspell, you know, and and I found that. Even when I discovered I was gay, I went to a chaplain and talked to him. And he um, he even said, bless his heart, he said, look, there might be people here that would say it's wrong, but I cannot believe that God would make a love that is wrong. And that just mm. that just mm. set my my path for me right there at the age of 19. I was like, mm. oh, right on. And so I never felt like I needed to push against religion. Mm-hmm. I did not find an organized religion after that that I related to but I always had a spirituality of there is a there is something else other than this you know uh, see it hear it smell it taste it touch reality that we have there's something else and and it's part of me and it's part of all of us mm-hmm. you know and, and I just I just walk with that mm. spirituality you know you said love yourself and that is a thing that's hard to come by. And in reading your book, we talk about your relationships and how you didn't have that. And then somehow you did. So was it a moment? What moment was it where you decided, wow, this is what I needed all along? There's a bunch of little moments. Yeah. It's, it, it, you know, again, it's a practice. It took me to understand, to kind of, you know, when we talked about organized religion, mm-hmm. to kind of get rid of the idea that there was a judgmental force, you know, whether it's a judgmental God mm-hmm. or or whatever, that there's a judgmental force out there looking at me saying, you know, you're not doing this right. You're doing this wrong. And when you have that, it, it's very hard to love yourself when you're looking to uh, please something out there. For me, it started to become fame. I had to <laughs> please the press, the media, the, you know, the people, the whatever is in the moment. I had to please them for me to be okay. And that was tearing me apart. And it tears <laughs> apart. I see it tear apart celebrities all the time. <laughs> and when you give that power away, that's a great unhappiness. And so right after cancer, I made a choice. I said, what other people think about me is none of my business. I've got to think that I'm okay. I got to love the music that I make. I got to love the people that I'm around. I got to love 
the choices I'm making or, mm-hmm. or else no, you know, the answer is no. And the more I walk that every day, the more it helped me in my relationships because I, I would, it would not be, I wasn't against, you know, my partner. I was just like, no, I, I need this for me. Mm-hmm. And that split up my second marriage. So, so, you know, it was just, I, I changed yeah. and, um, and that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, it does. I mean, you, yeah, you change and evolve. And it's interesting about, I, I was just thinking, I, I went through breast cancer and I remembered coming out of it all. And I'm a pleaser too. I'm like, do they like me? Am I doing it right? <laughs> Is everyone okay with me? Uh-huh. And I remembered having this weird epiphany. I woke up, I was just laying in my apartment. I was by myself and I looked around and I got four words. I got, you can't scare me. And all of a sudden I was like, this is so weird. It's kind of out of body. And I remember I was working at Dateline. I marched into my big boss's office. I went to the 52nd floor like crazy. I go, let me tell you something. There's a new hour of today. It's for me. I'll tell you why. I'm not afraid. I went through this whole speech and he was kind of like, who the hell let her in here? But (laughs) But afterwards, I ended up getting that gig. And I remembered thinking the scariest just like the epiphanies that you got from cancer and how it changed you and how you weren't pleasing anymore. You're pleasing yourself. You were like, I got to do this for me. So Uh big monumental changes. You had cancer, the loss of of your son. Do you think those were probably the big tectonic plate shifts in your life? Yeah, I hope that's all. (laughs) Yes. I mean, you know, I mean, life does this and, and yes, they, they were, they were huge. The, um, Cancer, because just because it was so long ago, I was able to really see that what I thought and what I did affected me physically, mm-hmm. and and so that that you know I changed the way I ate, I changed the way I thought, changed my exercise, my you know the joy of life, all of that. Um, Beckett Beckett really taught me I can't afford any guilt or shame in my mm. life, or it or mm-hmm. it will. It will destroy me, mm-hmm. and and that and then I'm no good for my other three children. Mm-hmm. How you know how how does that work? That that's not right. So, yeah. So I keep uh, those those. Yes, were definitely the the two big changes in my life. Up next, the role music has played in Melissa's life, and what it's like being on tour these days. That's after the break. ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play. Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.
the music is throughout this book, which I love. I love the lyrics. I love how you play everything in beautifully. And music has been your, that's all, that's been the, there's a constant that goes to thread through everyone's life. And that's, that's yours. Um, did music save you? What saved you? Huh. You could say, I, I mean, I had music. I always, when I felt something emotionally, I would go to my room and I would pick up my guitar and I would play and I would be able to work through it. So yeah, you could say music saved me. I don't know how to do anything else. So that's <laughs> a good thing that this is how I make my living, you know, and, and, and I'm grateful people actually enjoy my music. So yeah, it works. How does it feel now? Like you're on tour now. I mean, look, we all know all the songs. Um, what is it like being on tour today? Is there a difference in how you, like when you're not pleasing anymore, you're just, you're just loving it. You're just mm -hmm. doing your thing. How yeah. how has your performing kind of changed? Yeah, 19 years ago, I decided that I wanted to be the rock star I wanted to be, not what I, again, thought somebody else wanted me to be. And when I did that, I started playing the guitar better. If you come see me in concert, you will be surprised at how well I play the guitar. You you won't know that. And that's one of my favorites, When I, especially when I see the husbands or the boyfriends that have been dragged along to the show, you know, yeah. and they look at me and they're like, hey, yeah. she's good. You know, <laughs> you know, this is all right. And then by the end, they're, they're rocking. But, you know, so when I, the more fun I have, the more fun the audience has. Mm -hmm. So that is just what it's all about. My musicians, when the four of us are clicking and it's rocking, mm. nah, you, can't, you can't beat that. That's just, that's, that's what it's all about. One of my dear friends is Maria Shriver. I love her. You guys are very similar in a lot of ways uh -huh. in terms of how you see the world. But she always says, envision your life as you would at, how would you like to see yourself, she says to me, at 60, at 70, at 80. <laughs> how do you see yourself, if you were to close your eyes and transport uh -huh. yourself 10 years ahead, how do you see yourself um, at, at 70, at 80? At 70 and 80, I believe I will have practiced this uh, way of life every day and I, I see myself filled with love surrounded by loved ones doing what I love oh my god <laughs> there you go what it's all about yes so good. I win yes. you do win <laughs> you do win oh my god hey who are you listening to these days oh god every time anyone asks me that all of my act everything goes right out of my head right out of my head um, uh, I, I love uh, I love the the band Greta Van Fleet. If you've never heard them, they they sound like Led Zeppelin, and they're amazing. The lead okay. singer has a voice that will absolutely slay you. Um, I love the Italian um, rock group uh, Maniskin. I think is how it's so Maniskin. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no. Well, I have two sixteen year olds. I listen to yeah. all kinds of music. You know, so it's cool. The title of this podcast, Melissa, is Making Space. It's about when you oh. hit pause on your life and say, I'm making space for myself. When you have a blank slate day, you got no gigs, you got no kids, you got no nothing, and you open your eyes in the morning, how do you make space for yourself? How do you fill that day? Oh, oh there's so many wonderful things on a day like that. Uh, I will probably go outside. I'll probably work in my garden. I love to get my mm. hands in dirt. I will take a walk. I every day I walk. I love walking. Walking is so important. If you do nothing else, walk at, at least 20, 
30 minutes a day. That, man, it would change your life. So uh, I will walk. I will, um, <clears throat> hopefully I'll be with my wife because she always makes my day uh, that much more fun and my kids too. And just really relax and love and cook. I love to, I love to cook too. So that's probably me making a good dinner. You know what? I love that day. That's a beautiful day. Uh-huh. Melissa, you said when you come to uh, the East Coast to New York, we're coming. We're coming to your concert. Oh. We're coming to my window. Come see the show. Yeah. Thank you so much. Good. <laughs> love you, honey. All right. Good. Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening and for coming on this journey with me. If you like what you heard, and I hope that you do, please give Making Space a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And make sure you tell your friends. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Making Space with Hoda Kotb is produced by Allison Berger and Alexa Kasavecchia, along with Amanda Sidman, Abigail Russ, Kate Saunders, and our production assistant is Megan Cilio. Our associate audio engineer is Juliana Mastrarilli. Our audio engineers are Bob Mallory and Catherine Anderson. Original music by John Estes. Bryson Barnes is our head of audio production. Missy Dunlop Parsons is our executive producer. Sharice Williams Laredo is our senior producer. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.